Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Send It With Steph. I'm Steph Fleckenstein, your host. And today I have probably one of my most well-known guests. She has a World Cup podium. She is from Norway. And I actually met her when I was like 14 or 15. So here we have Kaisa Vikafli. I just want to preface this episode with the fact that because of COVID and with everything going on in our life, like Kaisa and I are both traveling full time and we are obviously doing this podcast over Zoom. So there are naturally going to be a couple of internet issues. So if you ever hear a pause or a little confusion, that was just a little bit of a glitch, but she sends across some really amazing messages. So definitely stay tuned because it's a great episode. <laughs> Hi, Kaisa. It's so nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Steph. Nice to see you again. And thank you for having me. Um, so Kaisa and I met at Whistler Cup when I feel like we were like 14, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like 14, 15, I think. Yeah. And you guys, okay, I remember Giro had one of the like Julia Mancuso suits, and everyone from Whistler was so obsessed with her because we were like, <laughs> everyone wanted that suit. Um, but you slayed Whistler Cup. I remember that. You were way better than all of us. <laughs> I mean, I was there for three years. I was there. Yeah, my first year, I definitely was not good at all. Uh, but then the second year, I was there with, I don't know if I was there with Guru then. But uh, the first year, we were there, get got some experience, got to know the tracks, have fun, just wear the pink lipsticks and uh, having putting on the colorful uh, suits. And then second year, I actually won the slalom in Super G. That was insane. The slalom, nice. Probably the last slalom I ever won. So it's nice to have that one. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> no, um, that was so much fun. That was my first international race. And I actually got to know you guys. And it's crazy how many guys I actually got to know uh, and that I can still have contact with that we meet in Europe. I know I think about this a lot with the friends I met like in Whistler Cup and even just beginning of Fist. like it's crazy how you all kind of the ones that stay in ski racing you really really stick together like it's really nice little community yeah the Alpine community you, you just yeah if you met once you're like best friends when you see each other again and then it stays like that throughout the whole career and also <laughs> after the career I know yeah it's very nice it's nice I don't know like it's also nice kind of having like I watched you race from a young age and then watching you have success on the world cup is like very encouraging also or seeing the people you like know really well do well is always it's yeah. always so nice <laughs> yeah that means a lot and of course I want to have uh, more people that I know in the world cup so I'm cheering for you as well and now that you're back racing so hopefully we'll meet again when I'm back racing again next season. Yeah. So what would you say was the biggest step for you at like the U21? Um, so that's in FIS, but we call it the junior level in FIS. Uh, that made you kind of feel ready to go compete at the World Cup level. 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I never felt ready for the World Cup uh, level. Uh, <laughs> I was quite uh, fast. Uh, I had my World Cup debut quite fast. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for online hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage. And it's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Where the game starts. Um, okay. So you were talking about how you didn't actually feel ready to go to the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, I think the last four years I've been the youngest at start in speed races. So I definitely started uh, racing speed in the World Cup quite early, but that's because why should you just go on with GS and slalom before you can do like the real game? So I really wanted to, uh, I started off pretty good in the Europa Cup in speed because we had the key trail races uh, on home soil. So I made a podium there and then uh, I was lucky to be able to join Ragmo on training. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I was just thrown into the World Cup circuit and I had my World Cup debut in Garmisch in 2017 and I just I crashed that. really bad. I was like, no, not ready at all. And people told me that Garmisch was so nice and it's perfect to start there. And I was like, is this the best place to ski? <laughs> then I'm definitely not going to do this ever again. But then I also, people told me that Garmisch was like the worst place ever to ski for the for the women. So then I was a bit more motivated. motivated. So uh, I think after that, I've actually been through the worst. So that was, uh, everything went upwards from there. <laughs> yeah, Garmisch is definitely terrifying. Like this was my first year going there. And all I could envision was your crash from that first year you did. <laughs> yeah. Like don't crash really for the finish. finish. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a nice like- experience to definitely experience to go from heaven to hell and uh, try to stay alive during the whole thing. And <laughs> if you make it, that's winning yeah. itself. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah. do you think like, cause you, you won at world juniors, your, uh, would have been your second last year as a junior, right? In Davos, did you podium before that in the world juniors? I had my world juniors debut in Sochi. Uh, yeah. We were four girls uh, going there and we uh, we just tell each other that we were not there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I skied out in every single discipline. Uh, I was there just crashing the downhill, skied out in the Super G, skied out in the uh, uh, GS. It was like raining in the slalom. I skied into the men's course, I think. Um, so we just say Sasha didn't happen um, yeah. and then we went to Davos uh, the year after and then I actually won the Downing London Super G there and that was so yeah. so cool yeah I it would seem like because I know like 
it seems like people who win at world juniors kind of just gets rocketed straight into world cup. That just seems to be like the natural (laughs) path, but maybe that's not necessarily like a good thing. I don't know. I, I never won one world juniors, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I don't know. Yeah, because you can you can ski the finals then if you win the world the yeah. world juniors. I don't know where I was then. Maybe it was Ora. I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah, I think it was Ora, and then I was dead DFL. Yeah, <laughs> I was dead fucking last uh, in the finals. So there's definitely a big gap between the world juniors and like the real game in World Cup. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you are. Uh, there's uh, definitely a big gap, and um, so. But I think you also need to experience the World Cup uh, quite fast as well, because then you actually know what to train for. Yeah. Uh, and especially on the uh, speed, uh, there's so much more experience uh, that you have going into the races, because uh, it's at the same place every year and almost the same track. Yeah. So after I've been to a place three times that's that's when i know that experience actually is good and you can take advantage of it so it takes a lot of time yeah the first year is definitely an eye-opening year like every place we went was just so different than anything i've done before so that's very it's it is smart to get on it early especially in speed because then as long as you don't like kill yourself you're gonna do you're gonna get the experience at least but yeah that's another that's another <laughs> battle on its own. So I would say you need at least two years uh, to accept that you're going to be slow and just experience new stuff and go out of your comfort zone. And then after that, you're actually quite good and experienced and you can go for it more and actually Very enjoy good. it as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So what result are you most proud of in your career so far? Or do you have multiple? <laughs> For my whole career uh, <laughs> i don't know uh we talked about world juniors mm-hmm. that was quite big for me to win the super gen downhill yeah. uh, with my team it was just awesome to be there with my europe cup team we worked so hard and been through going through sochi that was not that good and then just winning the next year that meant a lot um and of course uh, i have to say also uh, when I got my first top 10 in uh, in Cortina yeah. in 2019 that was so so cool because Cortina is beautiful I had my friends and family there and to make it top 10 is quite big uh, to take that step and to yeah. see that you actually have something to do in the World Cup mm-hmm. and then of course I need to say uh, my first podium uh, second place in Garmisch last year that was yeah yes. I can't even describe it it was so cool was that just unreal to go from your first World Cup there, like being so scared and I mean, crashing. And then that's where you got your first podium. Like that is just such a, wow. Was that's that the most weird part about it, you know, yeah. because I'm every single year, I'm so nervous about Garmisch because I know it's so long and icy, but that year, actually last year was really nice because it was what we call Norwegian conditions because it was raining and they were salting the hill and I was like huh this is quite good actually it's not icy and it's salt and I actually like this so to be able to attack in that hill and in super yeah. g that I love and to have that my podium with bib two that was quite cool yeah uh, but the coolest thing with 
uh, that day. I don't know if you uh, that year I was uh, traveling with Ragbo, so we're only two on the team. And then Michelle Gagnon, Mitch, yep. she was traveling alone. Uh, and she uh, she grabbed she grabbed me uh, in the finish area after the inspection that day, and she she said, "Kaisa, I'm bib 28. I'm here alone. Can you please just uh, find the Heli Hansen bag in the finish? It's a radio there. If you can just give me a short course report, I will be I will be so grateful." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, we're good friends, and I know how it is traveling alone. And of course, I will give it to you because I'm bib." too I have a lot of time I'll try to remember it and then I came into the finish and I saw the green light and I've never seen that in World Cup before so that's probably very exciting <laughs> yeah so, so yeah so I never seen the green light before and I rushed to the Aldi chair to try to sit there for at least some athletes <laughs> And I was sitting there just watching people actually coming in behind me. I was like, wow, this is actually a quite good run. Uh, but then, of course, Lara Gut came in the finish and uh, beat me. And I was second. I was super excited still. And then I was going to change my clothes. And I suddenly saw the Heli Hansen bag beside me. And I was like, oh, yeah. I told Mitch to give her a course report. And it was like bib 20 or something. So I grabbed the radio and I said, hey, Mitch, Mitch, uh, it's Kaisa. She was like, oh my God, Kaisa, you remembered me. Thank you. Uh, can you please give me a course report? And I said, yeah, of course. It's just way easier than you think. You can just give gas and uh, the conditions are super fun and just have good time and just full gas. And she was like, oh my God, thank you. So uh, there's no uh, issue or there's no tricky parts. I was like, no, no, just yeah. go full. And then she, since she was bib 28, uh, at bib 30, uh, the podium is going to take a picture. So they were asking me, Lara and Godja to go to the Audi chair to take a picture. And I was there and Godja was three. And then suddenly we saw Mitch on the screen and she was leading on intermediate one and intermediate two. And Goja just threw the skis away and walked away because she was like, oh, I knew it. We can't take a picture too early. And then I started thinking, oh, shit, maybe she is going to be faster than me now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, I, maybe I shouldn't have given the course report. But then I was like, <laughs> OK, OK, let's, let's see how far it goes. And then she came into the third place. Yeah. Uh, and that was so cool. So we actually shared the first podium in Super G together and we've been friends for so long. And I feel like that was like a bit teammate thing doing and it was really, really, really cool. Wow, I did not know that. I mean, I knew it was both of <laughs> your first Super G podiums, but I didn't know that you kind of worked together. That's so nice. Oh my gosh. I love to hear and then that. I actually had Bib 1 and she was Bib 13, I think, but then I thought, and then she asked me, can you do it again? And I said, yeah, of course. And then I actually, I know people will not uh, uh, believe in me, uh -huh. but then I actually didn't remember to do it because I thought she was bib 28 again. So when no. bib 12 was skiing, I was like, oh, shit, she's too <laughs> early. And then I actually forgot it, but then I think nobody will, will believe me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, now they just think you don't want to give reports. <laughs>
yeah I know yeah whatever whatever that's really cool I that's an awesome story and that's something really that's very cool that you guys got to share that um yeah so after your podium did you feel a lot of pressure to like follow up with another great performance because I'm sure that's kind of the like you start to expect then that you're gonna be up there (laughs) yeah I mean of course you always give yourself a lot of pressure um especially because I actually did really good on trainings the whole season the whole preseason and the season I was like okay this is I'm seriously gonna have at least one good result I just knew it and I felt it and I was super uh I had so much self-confidence and uh, I was just waiting for the result to come I was just a bit frustrating that it didn't come before and I was like oh I need to have a good race as well not only trainings mm-hmm. um so when I got the first podium I was like wow yeah I made it and the things I'm doing it's enough and uh, I, I didn't do anything special on the podium day so yeah. it just it it gives you a lot to just when you ski normal and trust yourself and what my coach is saying and Ragmo it's enough it's enough to do podiums and that does a lot to you so uh, I didn't actually have a lot of pressure uh, of course you feel it more from the media yeah uh, and also that was the last weekend before the world champs right oh god <laughs> so yeah so I, of course i felt it but uh not inside my head i feel uh you feel it a bit more outside but then you still have uh your goals and uh, tasks uh, as you had before so yeah. but it's also quite fun to be in that position because then you you really earned it you earned to yes. have the pressure and um it's quite fun that's so cool do you have a certain mindset kind of going into big races or like, what are you thinking about before you going into them? I mean, that's such a cool question because um, if I had a hundred percent good uh, mindset or something, then I would probably do better uh, more times um, and be more consistent Yeah. because I haven't, because in that way, I haven't really figured it out yet. I feel yeah. like I have, but on the same way, I haven't. I need to grow more and learn more about myself. Um, but I feel like I'm quite a uh, calm skier. I try to go into the races to just enjoy them because mm-hmm. this is what I love to do, you know. And I also need to remind myself that it's a race. I need to take the opportunity and really show everyone what I've been working on the past year or the past years so it's uh, that's important but when I get nervous I start yawning so I yawn probably like 20 times on the start no. uh, but that's also a way for my body to t- tell myself I'm uh, getting nervous and getting ready so mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a positive thing uh, and then I know that I'm ready um, yeah. But then I still need to, uh, to think about all my tasks and stuff. So it's, uh, I'm quite calm, but still I need to figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thinks that, but still I'm, I'm actually super nervous. I just need <laughs> to get like oxygen going, oh you know? Gosh. That's funny. I, this year found that like what I was doing mentally before, I don't know, norms. And I mean, I went from college to world cup, but what I was doing before those kinds of races, like was not 
good enough for world cups like it's a totally different um especially world cup speed like it's such a different mentality and you really have to be like fully ready to go (laughs) the second the second you're in that start gate so it's a big learning curve for me and I'm sure like you've had years to work on it but yeah it's interesting that you even feel like maybe you have more to work on with that yeah but I mean of course you can do your own thing but but like if you do if you lose your focus for half a second in the world cup it's the consequences can be brutal you know yeah so you really need to figure it out and you need to have it in a safe way but also in a fast way so yeah yeah it's a it's a difficult balance but also a cool one so when you figure it out you're gonna nail this shit (laughs) um that's very nice (laughs) so for what's also cool in the speed circuit is that when you train you always train with another um, national team because you really need yeah. to have a big uh, hill to train at. So you always work together with other um, uh, nations. Mm-hmm. So every time you're on races, everyone know each other. We're all friends. We train together. And I feel that that's like the biggest uh, difference between the tech and the speed circus because in the tech you don't really need other nations to train you can train yourself in a small hill and do solomon gs but here you i think i feel like we're quite uh yeah we know each other a bit more i think so it's uh, really fun you can talk to each other and start and also in the finish and do stuff after the race and before the race so it's it's quite cool yeah it is it is a really nice sense of camaraderie i it, to me it also seems like speed is so it's one of those like extreme disciplines and it's so intense that it almost seems like everyone is just like so happy to like get to the bottom and we all understand the same risk we're taking so there's like yeah there's there's a different sense of like kind of respect towards each other also Um, okay, so for yeah. we also have one run, so we're actually done. True. Yeah, it's fast. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Kaisa has been dealing with a really tough injury for a while now. She's been kind of going through the rehab process, having a lot of ups, I'd say a little bit of downs, right? <laughs> it's kind of been fluid. So do you want to kind of explain a little bit about what happened with your injury? And I'm assuming this was your first like major injury, right? Yeah. If you forget about like my world debut in Garmisch and oh, really? yeah, I haven't really had a major injury actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. where were you when? Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Hmm? Where, where did you, where were you when it happened? Sorry, I should probably have looked this up, but I forget. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, we were supposed to be in China uh, for the Olympic, um, what do you say, you test out the slope and stuff, but of course it was Corona, so we couldn't do it. So we had a replacement to San Pellegrino in Italy. Um and we did the we did two downhills and one super g there mm-hmm. so i actually was 
I had my personal best in downhill the two days before. I was sixth and fifth. So that was so cool. And I mean, Italy in the Dolomites, it's so nice. And then Sunday came and my coach was actually setting the course, the Super G course. And he, I was like, okay, put turns there and you can go straight there. And we had a really, really good plan. The sun was shining and the, the conditions were perfect. Uh, and of course I was bib 13 so I should have known oh no uh, and then I skied I felt great um, and then I uh, it was a small jump I jumped and then suddenly my ski caught an edge and I just rotated 360 degrees and uh, then landed on my side Mm-hmm. And that was actually not that uh, bad. Uh, but then when I landed on the side, I crossed my skis. So my left foot was like stuck in between the, um, the snow and my right foot uh, and skis. So it was like just ca- uh, getting caught on the snow when I was slipping down. So I broke it immediately there. Uh, I broke my leg and then I landed in the fence. And when I was done, um, when I was done crashing, I just looked up and I was laying in the fence and my leg was like in a position I've never seen it before. So I was like, oh. okay, uh, we need to fix this. <laughs> so that's when I started screaming and sorry for that, for the people that watched. Um, and then uh, a military guy, he came skiing down to me and then he just grabbed my skis that was still on the boot and just put it down from the fence and just let it go. And I was like, oh that hurts and then i just okay i felt i tried to like feel my knee and i was like okay it that doesn't hurt so then i knew it straight away i broke my leg and then everything was like a shit show from there i think i was stuck there for 40 minutes and the people didn't know english and i tried to explain to them that I've broken my leg. You need to really hold that still. And I, you need to unbuckle my boots because I can't feel anything. And they were like, no, no, you relax. And I was like, I can't fucking relax when you don't know what to do. And they were like, no, no, you relax. And you just uh, try to hold me down. And I was like, no, uh, you, you need to understand. And then suddenly my coach came and called me down and unbuckled my boots and kept me calm and then they picked me up with a helicopter and flew me down to the finish and then I met my teammates or I met Ragnail and my service guy and my other coach and then they took off my boot and they did it in a proper way so I was lucky that they did it instead of the hospitality people because they don't even know that it's uh in inside boot and the outside boot you know yeah so that was really lucky that they did it. But after they took off the boot, I just grabbed Ragmo and I just said, I need more painkillers. <laughs> and after that, I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice. So that was intense. But um, yeah, you, yeah, it's an insane experience. But then I also woke up at the hospital in Italy where I suddenly saw like an Austrian jacket and I was like, hmm, Austrian jackets, who's there? And then I, uh, the Austrian physio told me that um, another Austrian athlete, uh, Rosina Schneeberger, also mm-hmm. crashed and broke her leg. 
and they were trying to transport her over to Innsbruck to another mm-hmm. hospital and then I just grabbed him as well and say, said please can I join and then he was like yeah yeah we're trying to order a helicopter for you as well and uh, mm-hmm. they actually did it so when I arrived in Innsbruck Rosina was already in the surgery and then I had the surgery after and then we were roommates for five days in the hospital oh my god that is crazy yeah. um do you have any was there anything that you did to kind of stay positive during the whole rehab and um situation or did you just kind of accept what was happening and went with it the thing with me was that I knew quite fast that I broke my leg mm-hmm. and I also talked talk to the doctors uh, at home and they told me, okay, a broken leg, that's really good because that's going to heal and it takes about six months. Um, but then we also experienced, then we also saw that I, I didn't only break my leg. I broke my, uh, both of the, both tibia and fibula in my leg. And I also broke my tibia plateau on the top of the leg. Mm-hmm. so my leg was actually smaller or shorter so they had to take like a bone from my hip to replace it with uh, the broken leg and I also broke my ankle oh god and that's super weird but in some way I did it and I didn't even experience notice that until like June four months after so oh I was wondering why it always hurt when I walked but that was probably because of that injury oh yeah, but I had some complications. So the most difficult part was to just, okay, I was focused on skiing in Ju- in uh, August and then I had some complications. So then it was November and then it was December. And then it's, then it's difficult to know when to start training for real and when you should take a vacation or when you should calm down. Or that was like the most difficult part, always having after... Uh, the biggest surgeries I had so many com- uh, complications so I actually had like five surgeries and yeah. yeah yeah that's really tough when you can't really make a plan and especially because as ski racers we're so used to like following a plan every day <laughs> I mean our lives are pretty mapped out so I'm sure that was very challenging to just kind of wrap your head around yeah, you need to just, yeah, it went from try to walk again and then get up from the bed and go to drive a car or just walk normally. And yeah, but then you, it's also fun to start at zero again because as an athlete, especially on the World Cup, you, you're used to doing squats every day. And I think it was, yeah. yeah, you got it. <laughs> just pick it I right got it. <laughs> Yeah, I, but I, one thing I experienced was um, to, because as a pro, as a pro athlete, you every single day that you go to the gym, you you're happy if you can be able to put on five kilograms more every yeah. time you go uh, five kilograms more to the to the bar, and then now when you're injured, you have to start at zero, and then you can suddenly put on ten more, and then twenty five more, and then you actually have such a cool curve to just improve every single day so it's actually more motivating to go to the gym and to see the progress 
so that's quite cool and then you also um here at the olympia center that i train at you we have like a knee group where all of the athletes from so many other sports meet up and train together so it's been really really cool for me to be with like snowboarders and ice hockey players and taekwondo play uh, i don't know if they're players or i don't know <laughs> and uh, football players and uh, just talk about other stuff than skiing and uh, try to do something else so that was also quite motivating for me to go to that center every single day when I know it's uh, different kinds of people there. Yeah, that's really cool. I like how you kind of turned the like making big progressions during your rehab into a motivator because I could see how that would be really motivating. I mean, I've kind of been there once, but not to the extreme that you obviously were. And I kind of wish I had thought about it that way because I think I was too focused on like going zero to 100 all at once. But for you, like you were coming back from such a, I don't know, such a serious injury that it, it was cool that you could um, look at the little, little things like every day is kind of a victory, which is cool. Yeah. But of course it takes time. And also I could do some squats after a month after my injury, but then I also had needed to have a new big surgery that made me that it took, took another two months until I could squat again. So it's like so many ups and downs that you feel like, Oh, I did, I did that one month ago ago, and now I can't even walk. And then it's, it, it is a quite uh, difficult to stay positive the whole time and uh, in especially in my case where nobody really know the facts on how to do things so I really had to be I feel I felt like I needed to be the negative person because everyone around me was so positive and like yeah. oh this is going to work out and it looks good and you look good and it's going to go forward and then I was stuck with like the negative feeling of but I don't think this is so good. I think this doesn't work. And I think that my knee is hurting a bit too much. I think we should uh, test this. And I think we should rewatch uh, the x-rays. I think we should. I feel, felt like I needed to be like the person that overthought everything because everyone was so positive. So it actually depends so much on the people around you on how you are going to be. Because if they were negative, I, negative, I would probably be the positive person. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so when you got back on skis, I know you went into the indoor skiing, right? Was that your first time on skis? And uh, yes. <laughs> what was the kind of initial feeling of that? I mean, probably all of the athletes on the World Cup or Europa Cup or whatever will see how it is because they've probably been, to, been through the same thing but uh, so I, I first tried in I don't know September but then I was definitely not ready I took the lift off and then I think the conditions were really bad and I tried and then I ended up like skiing on one ski down and just yeah. that was like a big that was a big uh, what do you say I just hit the wall because yeah. I was like I, I thought I would never be able to put a ski boot on again because oh it hurt that bad. 
but then I also saw the x-ray afterwards and I, it was like 40% healed. So I was like, okay, I maybe need a little bit more time. Maybe. So then I gave it a lot of time and then I tested again in December and that was awesome. That was yeah. another world. And then I was really positive again and could actually see myself skiing again. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure that was tough, especially when it feels like it's kind of never ending and <laughs> you're not really sure. Um, okay. So you not only are an awesome athlete, but you also just came out with a book. Am I <laughs> right? Um, so what kind of inspired you to help write the book? Yeah. Cause that's like the, the thing I, I only helped writing. I mean, I didn't release a book and that's really important to, to just <laughs> say, because I feel like all the people, oh, everyone thinks that I wrote a book about myself and I'm like, well, I think I need to be a legend before I do that. So yeah. I'm just going to take it easy before I do that. Uh, but that was, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll try to make it short. Okay. Um, so I got my first podium in Garmisch and then I crashed a month later. Yeah. And there's a guy, there's an author in Norway called Kjetil Bjørnstad, and he is 69 years old, and uh, he plays concerts and writes, uh, he has written so many books here in Norway, and is actually quite big uh, in Norway. Um, and when COVID came, all of his concerts were cancelled, and then he suddenly got like this fascination about uh, up and skiing because that was the only thing going on on the tv and uh, mm-hmm. uh, ever since like world champs in order he had like a really he just watched it and just gave him so many emotions and he got so inspired and especially about downhill so when i got my podium in garmish he also he every year he has a concert in garmish so it's like we're on such a different world but then at the same time so many things in common yeah so when i got my podium in garmish he wrote a poem about that hill and my second place because uh, i didn't know that but there's uh, like a girl that uh, crashed in garmish and died so it's a lot of emotions in garmish and uh, it's a brutal one as we talked talked about so he wrote a poem but he never sent it to me because he was like oh i can't send that to her it's uh, weird but then when I crashed, he actually emailed it to me and said, hey, Kaisa, uh, I just uh, wanted to say that I'm an author from Norway. And during your podium, when you crashed, uh, I wrote this poem about uh, your accomplishment and the uh, hill. So I just wanted to give it to you. You don't have to reply back, but I uh, hope it makes your day. And uh, yeah, have a, uh, wish you all good in the recovery. And then, so I was laying in the hospital and I got an email two days after my crash. And that was just so cool to get because first of all, you get reminded of the good days uh, and the podium. And it's then I also searched him on Google because I didn't, I had no idea about who he was because I'm not that cultural uh, kind of girl. So I Googled him and I was like, hmm, wow, he's actually quite famous and uh, a good author. So I emailed him back and told him that it meant a lot that he sent it and I appreciated it and it's so cool and it actually opened my eyes to see 
not only all of the messages I got after the crash that was I was overwhelmed like wow it opened my eyes to see that it's not my my tasks on skis that I do every day and I think about with my team but we're actually uh showing this to the whole world and mm-hmm. uh inspiring them as well and when he wrote me that and he's been following me for two years and i don't even know that that's quite cool so i also told him that and then we emailed a bit back and forth and then he told me i'm seriously talking so much about alpine skiing now that my wife tells me that i should write a book about it <laughs> and then he said so I actually got this idea that he wanted to write a, write a book about his life and how skiing has always been a part of his life, but he has never skied. <laughs> and then he was wondering if I wanted to join and just say a couple of words and stuff. So, and then I just wrote back, well, I don't have anything else to do the next year. So of course I'll join. And then we met when we got back here and it was, it's just been so cool to take a part of another world for me and just think about something else and he's like this wonderful person that just wishes me well and yeah he knows so much about so many things and uh, it's cool to just yeah try to do something new and i mean nothing should be um uh, tested so i'll just i'll try and see how it goes and then it, we, it the book was super cool and a lot of people have uh, giving us so much so many feedbacks and yeah it's been such a cool road to do to do now that I had the time yeah that is yeah that's definitely one of the upsides of injury and in skiing is kind of seeing other things you're interested in and trying new things but I think it's really cool that first of all I mean he reached out to you that is really cool I think yeah and then also the fact that you were willing to take a chance on something else that's also really cool not a lot of people would have been comfortable kind of putting themselves out there so yeah true Uh, it's been really really fun and I feel like he teached me so much and I teach him so much like he didn't even know what emojis were so (laughs) I I sent I texted him with this emoji like the it's not like okay or all right yeah and then he was like, oh, what is this? Is this the queen drinking tea? And I was like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh That's my God, so I need to have a lesson with you now. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh man. Yeah. So I need to inform you, I wrote, I think eight pages uh, by the end of the book. So you need to okay. just read through the whole thing and then you can see my uh, texts. But a lot of, uh, I mean, half of the book is about him uh, writing the poem and actually reaching out to me and he's uh, overthinking how I will respond and everything and uh, yeah it's been it, it's actually quite a cool book I've never seen any any similar book also so it's cool to do something new yeah I think it's really cool I wish I um, understood Norwegian so I could read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll see maybe it's uh, in English one day yeah maybe we'll it'll come out in English I'll let you know I'll send you a copy so good Um, Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your insight, kind of showing your vulnerability through your rehab process and also showing us this really cool thing that you took part in. I I really enjoyed listening to it. And I mean, I feel like I talked to you (laughs) more than people who listen. So thank you so much, Kaisa. I, yeah, I'm very excited to have you back on the circuit and hopefully 
we'll be back racing together soon. Yeah, thank you, Stefan. I'm super excited to see all of you guys again. And you get super depressed being in a city for a whole year when you're used to traveling. And yes. yeah, it's, if it's one thing that I learned being injured is that we have a freaking cool life when we're out traveling. And I'm not even doubting getting back to the circus again. And uh, I hope you just enjoy it as much as you can now that you're injured free. Yeah. And yeah, it's something special coming back because then you just enjoy it more, I think. Yes. And we're super I, lucky. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't do anything else. Oh, you're very sweet. Thanks, Kaisa. Nice. Love your podcast. And uh, people just listen to the other podcast that Steph had with a bunch of other people. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I definitely learned a lot about not only my friend, but also about the World Cup circuit and what it takes to kind of make your mark on the Speed World Cup circuit, which is something that I've been obviously learning a lot more about this year. But Kaisa brings a very interesting uh, view to like the whole situation. And she's clearly found success. So I would listen to her. (laughs) Um, Not only is she an unreal skier, but like she kind of mentioned at the end, she had some uh, um, she contributed to a book and she actually opened her own restaurant in Oslo so not she's just kind of done everything while she's been injured and she's really taken advantage of the time away from sport to get into some other hobbies of hers so thank you so much for listening Um, if you enjoyed this episode make sure to give me five stars and tune in next week for the next episode this episode was presented by bet online Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.